0: You're listening to the Overcoming Podcast with Olympian coach and mom, Pam Dukes. So you guys, we've all kind of referred to the events with George Floyd, as well as all the other names that have been in the news. And I know for me... <coughs> um, I'm one of those people who really don't watch violence on TV. It's just very, even in movies, even though I know it's fake, I just don't watch it because my my brain can't compute to know that this is happening. And I remember I did everything I could to not have it on when my son was in the room because my son's 11. And I know it's just going to be too hard for him to actually understand what's going on. So I would change the channel and I, you know, he did hear about things in school and I talked to him and I let him know. And I said, his dad would also have conversations about what he needs to do. If he sees a policeman and how he should behave. And I remember right at that time, I was just, it's hard to describe my mood. It was like, I was exhausted. I was devastated. I was stunned. Uh, It was almost like all the hope left me, but You know, we we still have jobs to go to and things to do. And so I got up and went to work. And I think as I started to see the protest and the mobilization, I started to feel better. And I thought about it as we were coming into this discussion that I think I actually feel better but it kind of bothers me that i feel better because i feel like it's not like anything's changed it still happened and i know there's been changes in different organizations and there's a lot more awareness and i know we are trying to mobilize to make a difference but i'm curious kind of where you are with your state of events and if there are things you are doing that'll that are helping you you know to cope with the situations that are going on and kind of just where you are and i'll just throw that one out there who would like to go first and answer that question
1: So I talked about mountain biking. So, uh, <laughs> no, um, I actually, I, I used to have this habit of uh, flipping back between news stations, um, BBC, CNN, Fox News, things like that. Um, and, I, I, you know, it's even before this, it, I just it's hard to consume the news these days. It's 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 so, you know, one station's biased one way. The other station's biased the other way. Um, and so, as this started happening, um, it's kind. Of, it was. It, it, it happens, and I kind of find myself thinking, "Man, like, where no one's, no one's still listening. Like, um, still, no one's, no one's listening, and no one's catching on." And being in Texas, as Mike said, you kind of, you know, you can see in parts of, parts of Texas how real this is. This, I mean, not long ago in Jasper, Texas, they had some really crazy things happening like that. And that stuff happened when I was young, and I don't forget that. Um, and so, hearing this, you know, it's it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. I'm excited that there are people who are having these uncomfortable conversations. I mean, we wouldn't, you know, we may, might not be here so soon on this topic um, had these things happen. Um, And to a certain extent, we might not have as many open ears willing to listen had not this happened. I'm seeing things that I don't know if I absolutely fully believe on TV where people were saying things like, oh, well, I realized I was racist uh six months ago and I started changing my life. And to me, I'm like, that's great. That's, that's good for you. But from the city I'm from, I had heard stuff like that before and people would tell me that they weren't before. And then you hear things, you know? So I have this kind of like, Uh, It's, it's great. But to be honest, if I'm being a hundred percent honest right now, I just hope it's, it's going to keep this traction. Um, because what tends to happen from my experience and from my observations is we get talking about these things, they become a big deal. Everybody relates to them, but then another thing happens and we're there we're at a potential right now for lots of other things to take um to take attention away from this and so i have that that fear it's and i and i don't want to come off as being negative or anything like that like it's not saying that it's going to happen but i am skeptic and i think i think i should i think i should I think we should all examine everything before we just say, okay, I believe you, I'll take your word for it. Um, so I have really minimized what I hear and I try and stick to only NPR because it's really the closest I can get to an opinion. What I like, you know, they'll say, Hey, they'll say on something things, some of the people will say facts and, kind of leave it out there for you to make your choice. And I I respect that. But when it comes to news, I can tell you my TV has never been used less. Um, During this time, it's just, it's hard enough it's negative enough out there. And I suffer from all my own imposter syndromes. I have all these gremlins and demons in my head doing workouts when I'm not busy. And so I, I just kind of don't let myself get into it. But it's hard because then I feel like, am I, not, am I part of the problem? If I'm not out there doing something, because that's how I approach my work. If I'm not out there doing something, does that mean I'm part of the problem too? Does that mean I support it? And so there's that dichotomy right there that I struggle with, you know, what side of the coin to kind of be, how can I be, how can I share with people how I feel without forcing with onto people, how I feel. Um, And so, you know, it's 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 we'll see it's we're, I think for me personally, I'm still processing all of this and I'm still adapting and saying there are things that I'm, I'm really, really one of the big things that I've seen come out of this that I love is. Black-owned businesses are popping up on websites. When I start to order, it starts to show black-owned business. I used to, I watched this documentary on Netflix about black-owned businesses, like from Big Mike back in the day, man. And it was I was like, man, I'm just gonna keep following up with this. And I never saw that. And here in Texas, I ordered food the other day, and or I was on my Chase. Uh, or or one of my uh, credit cards and it said, Hey, now you can find black owned businesses. So I'm, I'm happy about that. I think that's great. I think that's one thing that's getting like, I think that's a really good thing. Eventually, I hope they have brown-owned businesses too. But um, um, I think we're making progress. I'm hesitant to say this is confidently the time that it's going to change. Um, I'm hesitant to say that I would be okay to accept it if it everything really did change. I've kind of been born into this like into this environment, and things are going to be different. There's going to be a lot more uncomfortable conversations if we're if we're talking this really happening and really coming to fruition and people realizing the pain that they're causing through their thoughts that may not, that may have been, you know, they may have been just brought up that way or whatever. Um, so to answer your question, um, I, I minimize my interaction with that. We'll call it risk risk avoidance or something like that. Um, and, and that's kind of how I approach it. But what I try and do is on my positive times, I am, I'm trying to get the most accurate information on it right there. Knowledge is power. Um, and so I, I just try, I'm constantly trying to find a resource that can get me some accurate information. Um, but not really the best of luck so if you have any recommendations I'd be happy to um, hear and if not maybe we just need to create something that just says hey just the facts um, mm-hmm. but yeah right now I'm having to avoid it it's stressful these times are hard I mean and there's a lot of time, there's a lot of reasons the times are hard right now and so what I'm doing right now is just trying to make myself a better person focus on myself internally so I, I can be the change I want to see out there um, what about you all? What do y'all do? <laughs> I'll, I'll,
2: I'll jump in there. Um, I look. I I love that you brought on brought up black on black on businesses. Like I I have always tried in my life to, to support black owned businesses, but um, and and I there, there's a K- killer Mike has this. Um, yeah, this on, yeah, he has a show on Netflix where he tries to buy black owned, yeah. yeah. and it's so hard. It's so hard, but. But it's possible, right? Like this hat, like this brand, Equity, is, is started by a black man, shout out to John Henry. And like, I got this from the African braiding store in Pflugerville, Texas, right? And so like, like black-owned sneaker brands, right? Shout out to Cyan Collective and, and Perico Shoes, right? There's so, there, there's so many black-owned brands, um, but, but specifically like for me, I've just been trying to find where the, where the places are where I can, I can go to work, like, where can I sink my teeth into this? because with with the death of george floyd and with like the murder of george floyd the murder of brianna taylor and incidents like this i go back to the last time i really remember being affected by this was when trayvon martin was murdered by george zimmerman i helped stage a thirty thousand person protest on my college campus at the time and i remember thinking like oh we're going to change the world and afterwards nothing happened we had this protest and then Mike Brown, and then right, and 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 Philando Castile, and right, and and Tamir right, name after name, person after person, hashtag after hashtag, and so I learned like while the protest is powerful, and I believe in pro, I believe in violent protests when the government fails, your people, I believe in violent protests. I believe that America has a problem with race, but more specifically, America has an anti-black problem, um, and so I, everybody's like, oh, anti-racism. Yes, I want anti. I like get rid of anti-blackness. I want America to be pro-black for the first time in its history, right? And so, like, I am there, but I'm also at a po- point in time where, like, I have to figure out where I can insert myself to go to work for this. Um, I, one of, one of one of my friends, he owns a a coffee company uh, called Dope Coffee, and his name is Michael mm-hmm. Lloyd. Uh, he is based in Atlanta. He and his wife and his brother, they're, they're, they're running this movie this summer, black owned business, uh, veteran owned business, woman owned business, that business. I think the last time I talked to them, they were up 3000% in sales. Like you heard that 3000% and, and climbing, right? Like did so well, they were able to launch an accelerator program. Right. And, and he and I talk about this thing all the time. Like the revolution is coming, but it's going to be economic. It's, it's not going to be a revolution where it's necessarily on the back of the protest. The protests are helping. They're, they're doing so much good. Um, they're, they're drawing, a, they're bringing awareness. They're letting the government know our generation is not going to take this. Right. We're not going to stay in, in, in Austin. It just, the new the story just broke today. They cut the police funding by $150 million. Right. So like the protests are working, but I'm inserting myself in like, What I do is I I work on education, and I know that if the revolution is going to be economic, we have to find a way to educate our black and our brown children, because the United States of America has been set up for us to fail. The, The public school system, the traditional school system, even the college application process is set up to exclude us from the most prestigious of places. And when we make it, when we get in the position where we hire folks, and when we go to the Olympics, right, and when we, we, we own our home and we have our business, right, people are looking at us like an anomaly, but that no longer needs to be the case. So I'm working with a group of people in Austin um, to try to what, what, what we're trying to do is essentially we want to turn Austin, Texas into Atlanta 2.0. We, we want to attract talented, smart, passionate black people to move here and then be able to equip them economically to be able to stay here. So we're doing everything from, we're about to launch a, a, a virtual school. Um, we're building an Austin Schools Reinvention Lab where we're gonna partner with the city. We're gonna partner with uh, Teach for America. and We're gonna build a lab that that dreams up new models of school and then puts them in old abandoned school buildings in the city. So like, we're, we're doing as much work as we can. I'm fortunate that uh, here at Alpha where I work, the building that I'm sitting in, uh, our, our our population is not very diverse at all, but I called our director this summer and I said we got to do something. And he said, "You're right. What do you want to do?" So I drew up a three year plan, and he's like, "Great, let's do it. Whatever you need." He's opening up the right, opening up the funding. Like we we're bringing in diversity consultants, we're bringing in the, the, you know, these amazing programming for kids, um, and so it's it's an incredible time because people are open. And I think while people are open, we have to use those doors to get in and do the work that's going to set us up for the next 100 to 1,000 years and change the way this country looks.
3: Yeah. So I want to chime in and uh, kind of like bring it home based on what Sergio said. Sergio mentioned that young people, you know, like he mentioned about hope, you know, and I have a saying, you know, I think maybe it was uh uh, President Obama that used to say, hope is not a strategy, you know. So I always tell my team when I ask them, you know, when are you going to get it done? i like, I hope it's going to be Friday. I'm like, no, hope is not a strategy. So for me, hope is not a strategy, but I feel a slight of hope. And how did that happen was um, one of the things that I decided to do when this whole thing happened, and prior to already three years, like I told you guys, I decided that I'm no longer going to be silent or ignore discrimination or racism I'm going to catch it right when it happens meaning when somebody have those uh, supposedly microaggression moment with me I'm just going to stop and say stop asking me that question you know stop asking me about my hair cuz that's not that's irrelevant you know we are in 2020 why are we talking about my hair out of everything else that I bring to the plate so I've told myself that I'm just going to do that because I have compassion. You know, one of the things that I think for me, for us to be on the same page and respect each other, we have to be compassionate, right? So I try to see that everybody doesn't come maybe from a racist background or maybe they were not raised right, you know, and maybe because it's it's my immigrant background that allow me to just be a little bit more compassionate, you know, because I know I flew like 100 miles to arrive here. So I have compassion for people that have never been anywhere that have never traveled the world right cuz i'm like you live in the united states you don't know any better so i have compassion for you but i'm going to sit you down and help you learn you know so you have to be willing to learn so i've been practicing a little more compassion into understanding so why is somebody thinking that as a black woman i'm aggressive you know what is in your dna make you make me feel like i'm aggressive so i'm trying to do a little bit more of that work right just a little bit to get to their level so we can start having Conversations and I've been having a lot Of those conversations but I have a Nanny she's a, a young college Student she's, she's a white college Student and I was Blown away by A reaction to all this you know So we hire her in the middle Of the pandemic and everything And so this whole George Floyd was just happening In front of us and I was asking My daughter do you think we should talk to her about it My daughter said oh yeah she She's not about this thing She's not liking all of this. So then we start having this conversation and I don't do a lot of TV either. So she's the one that filled me in what's going on, you know, what Karen is doing, whatever. She's the one that filled me in, in everything going on. So, but I, I realized that I've been super tolerant, you know, because I was telling her, she was telling me about this whole white fragility, that she's not about it. It's, she's a, She thinks it's a stupid movement and that, People just need to be direct and Just like Mike was saying that We need to teach people to just Accept, you know, it's not about being She doesn't even believe in anti-racism She's just saying people just Need to accept the And stop all this, you know, microaggression So I'm sitting there, you know Almost a 40-year-old woman Looking at this 21-year-old Like, she's not taking any Crap from anybody And she's a white, young woman So then I was like I feel like at my age, I'm being tolerant. Like, I've lived through this so much that I'm like, oh, no, you need to be compassionate. She's like, no, Lizette. This is stupid. These people are... Something is wrong with them. Like, she was literally aggressive and, and literally just saying things that like, it's unacceptable. And I was like... I was talking to my partner and I was like, there's hope, you know? If all the young people... Uh, like her, as I'm seeing in the protests with all the power protesting, I can tell you, give us another decade. This is gonna change because I mean, all these people that are our age, we are literally, you know, getting older. And this young g- generation, they they're not taking it because I think we have taken it so much, you know, just by listening to us here. We have taken it so much, like they're not taking it. Like this young generation. She came the other day. She told me, I like this boy. And I'm like, what is he? And she's like, he's a brown kid. And I'm like, they are so open to so many things that our generation, since we have been oppressed, you know, that's the word that I use, and discriminates against, we start accepting some stuff that we should not. So to answer your question, really, for me, I decided to do three things. I decided to no longer be silent. So always say yes to any opportunity where I can add my voice because I feel like people still thinking, oh, Lizette, you never experienced racism. Come on, you graduate, you have a good job, nice family. How can you experience racism? So I use any opportunity that I find to just say yes to it, you know. That's one of the reasons why I create my podcast because I think, like, there's so many voices out there, like you were saying, uh, Mike, earlier, you go to this meeting and it's just a majority of people speaking and our voice are being drawn. So I'm like, no, I'm going to speak up, speak about, bring my voice, you know, so I have this hashtag, share black black stories because our story needs to be here. We are here and we are here to stay, and we can no longer be silent, and the third thing is, for me, I simply decided that, you know, I'm not going to worry about what's going on in the media, what's going on out there, I'm just going to do it in my community, like, my community, people that are, so I just have a race I just have racist conversation, uh, race, race conversation with folks now, like, what do you think about this? Like, I'm like before, I would never go to office and ask them about what happened to, because I was traumatized by the Trevor Martin situation, like, Traumatized for months Called the troll But I never spoke to it About anybody at work Or anybody besides Just on my kitchen table You know So now Like too many in I'm like "What? What's going on in your life What is the new I just go there with people You know Make them I intentionally make people Feel uncomfortable You know Because I just insert myself as like You can no longer say You don't know about race And if you don't know I'm going to bring compassion and then cheat you, you know, because I'm I'm gonna be like, I'm Lizette and I'm black. My husband is black, my kid are black, I'm immigrant, you know. So when we have a president that said like Africa is a whole country, guess how guess who he's talking about, you know? Guess whose family he's talking about? It's my family, my people that I know. So now I just try to go in there with folks, and one of the simple things that I'm doing is just walking in my neighborhood, like for the longest time. I go run, but I don't run in my neighborhood. Like I go to the gym and then I join the gym and we do a trail because I want to feel safe with my lifetime member, you know, just feeding with them in a safe way. But since May, before I broke my food, I just go if five days a week. We just go out and ro- walk with my family and you'll be shocked but people are like waving at us they probably and my daughter is like they're waving at us and she's saying her. Huh? I'm like you know them she's like no but it looks like they like seeing us and I'm like we have to show ourselves but in contrary I have family members saying I'm so scared since the Ahmad average story I don't want to go wrong and I'm like this is the moment for us to be visible so when I mean visible it's literally visible showing up here on a podcast you know visible in my neighborhood walking around and be everywhere and no longer be silent because I think we also add to the problem of just trying to reduce our voice, you know? And we we have to take it there with everybody. So that, that that's my contribution to that.
0: Wow, that was fantastic. You know, yeah, it was great. I was gonna share one thing that happened to me where I work now that has never happened to me before. And after everything that has transpired, I actually had someone that I work with ask me my story. And they said, could we just take a few minutes one day and you just kind of tell me what it was like for you growing up? And can you tell me your story? And I have never had that happen. And, you know, the funny thing is I had to think about it because if you've never had to tell your whole story, I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's see. that was third grade. And then, what I mean, I literally had to compile it so I could share my story. And I just thought okay that's big and then also with my company they created a diversity and inclusion task force uh, and I actually, you know, I, I wrote the CEO, I said, you've got to let me be on this. What is it I have to do? <laughs> I just got to be on it. And fortunately, I was one of the ones selected. So I am on that now. And we that's are actually it. working cool. to make changes. So when I think of what I'm doing, other than, you know, trying to share and educate my son and, you know, help my family, I'm also trying to make a difference outside of the household. So I think that's sort of my contribution to this. And didn't I tell you guys this would be about 30, 40 minutes? <laughs>
2: That's all good. I kept you here
0: so long. What time is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's late y'all, but we are definitely going to have to get back together and have like, you know, yeah. section three, because this is at least two sessions, right?
3: Here. <laughs> I,
0: I am so grateful to you. Thank you so much for being honest and your candor and you're willing to share and, and hopefully get the conversation to continue and, I really appreciate you. I hope you guys know that. Thank you so much. much. Thank Thank you. you. you.
3: This was great. Thank you for having us. Thank you for
0: space. Yeah.
3: We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Overcoming Podcast, where we shared our experiences and demonstrated that we are all overcoming something. We'll see you next
0: time. And remember to subscribe to our show.